Good morning, everyone. Good morning. <laughs> welcome back. That was a really that was a really soft opening. Good morning, and welcome back to the Porsche School Podcast. <laughs> um, it's after Christmas. It's all over again. Uh, Steve, are you there? I am. I am. I am. Um, was Christmas good? It was not bad. It was okay. Mm. It was very, as you I know, know, it was harder because you were um, not with your. Um, family as per usual, which makes it hard. But I don't know. There's a lot of selfish things going on there about Christmas, and I'm trying to work out which one was the one that upset me the most. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Like, well, usually, you know, I, I, I enjoy I enjoy coming back at Christmas time, coming back to yeah. Sydney because that's the time yeah. when we spend the most time in Australia. Do you know what I mean? Like, even yeah. though you yeah. realised we used to come back, you know, a few times a year, and we, you know, I think we did at one point there we were doing five um, five flights to Sydney, long-haul flights to Sydney a year, which was mm. insane, which was absolutely insane. Uh, and most yeah. of the times I was state on economy, not on business. A few of the times because we were flying so much, we'd get, you know, upgraded or we'd get, you know, occasionally we'd, mm. we'd use our points and whatever, but most of the times we were flying economy because um, that flight, you know, is our cost. So, yeah. you know, yeah. it's, it's not cheap. Um, but anyway, back to the selfish thing. I kind of feel a bit selfish because, yeah, I wanted to be back at Christmas and I really did want to be back home and, and you know, and see you see you guys and see, you know, Nothing Tasha's family, Tasha's yeah. family and, you know, my family and, 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 you know, the, you know, I always got the coast, as you know, on to my family's on Christmas Day and Boxing Day and I stay a few days up there, you know, which yeah. is always fun. I normally go for a, a grueling run with my brother through the sand dunes, which is like a 10 kilometer run, which almost kills me on Boxing Day. <laughs> which is a stupid time to do it, but we always seem to do it on Boxing Day. Yep. He's he's more hungover than me, though, because I'm always driving um, yep. on Christmas Day. But I think what it is, back to the selfish thing, is that I really enjoy Christmas because I come back and it's like that end of the year. You know what I mean? The end of the year when when I really in, I enjoy coming back to the car, to the Porsche. Um, yeah, I enjoy those drives. You know what I mean? Like we go on a drive and then, oh. you know, I think, you know, not Boxing Day, but, you know, like between Christmas and New Year and a couple of days just before New Year or even New Year's Day, I always go for a drive in the morning. I'll just, you know, if you're not, a, if yep. you're busy or whatever, like I did last year, I just went for a drive to, you know, Brooklyn and yep. back. You know, Tasha didn't come with me because I left early in the morning. Um, yep. And just enjoying those drives, you know what I mean? And even looking through uh-huh. some of my old YouTube videos, you know, when I've come back at Christmas and just enjoying the car. And I think it's because it's also that time of year, Steve, Um we should say this is the. I did say it's a Portugal podcast, right? I haven't even introduced ourselves. Someone, someone's new to the <laughs> podcast. They come on, they go, "Who is this guy talking? What is he talking about?" Where um, am I? Yeah, where am I? So I'm, I'm Michael, as most of you will know, Michael Bath, and Steve is in Sydney. That's why we're talking through Zoom. Um, but anyway, and I look at those videos, and you know, like it's so enjoyable. You know what I mean? And I think you know mm. one of the things that I really enjoyed. And we're going to talk a little bit. We're not going to talk about that this week the servicing thing over the cars we're going to talk about it probably next week Mm. but even just coming back Stephen, just getting the car registered like i registered the car online i did it the other day like eventually the um ctp green slip insurance that you have to have in australia that i could actually get it from amy and pay for it because i've been waiting for that Mm. to come through to pay for it you can't seem to get that um payment reference number um so you know like just getting a car you know just getting your car re-registered you know, lately, in the past couple of years, I always get the car serviced just before Christmas. You know what I mean? So it's kind of really nice. So at Christmas, you know, like you have your car and it's freshly serviced and it's got registration yep. for a year and you know everything's sorted 
and you feel just, you know, and I've been away and I've come back and everything's cool. You know what I mean? Yep. And yep. then this year, I, I feel like shit. I'll be honest with you, I feel like shit. One, because, you know, mm. someone's damaged my car, um, which mm. I know, as we said to some people, it's minor, but I can't stop thinking about it. And, it, and it's like some nights it actually taunts me. Like I get so annoyed about it that, you know, one, that I'm trapped, I feel trapped. And two, that, you know, I just want to fix it and I can't. Hmm. Hey, before I forget, I, I, I was actually going to message you about that. Did you want me to go back and um, pop the um, the driving light out and just try to kind of line it up a little bit better and put it back in? You know, like what we were talking about, to see if it sort of lines up better? I could I can always go and do that. Yeah, so I don't know if I explained it properly last time. Did we explain it properly? I mean, someone backed into the car, it split the bumper on the top and the bottom where the parking... Is it parking light? You call it parking light or fog light, right? Parking, parking and driving light, light yeah. Parking yeah. driving light is, you know, on the driver's side, which is the right-hand side in Australia. It split the plastic on... I don't even know how they hit it. I had a tie mark on my cover um, and then they've split it. Steve went over there, put the popped the light back in, but it's not sitting flush. Um, I don't know. Do you think it's going to make any difference? Just because, um, like, my theory is that I reckon somebody's kind of managed to hit exactly the um, the light unit itself, which is kind of, it's sort of friction-mounted-ish, like it's slightly kind of clipped in. But what it's done is that that's how it's kind of cracked the, um, the bumper around it. Um, and... Very quickly when I went in, kind of, you know, sussed it out, I actually, the light wasn't sitting in the spot properly, so I kind of quickly pulled it out and I put it back in. But possibly what I didn't do was um, sort of press the crack together, um, which is why maybe the light isn't sort of sitting in the bumper receptacle kind of as cleanly as maybe it is, uh, as it should. And I don't, I didn't have the um, the silly little kind of plain credit card thing um yeah. with me to then go back in to actually kind of pull it out again properly and just sort of see if I can kind of tinker with it. But when I, when I was there, I was actually sort of thinking more um, about just trying to take photos and everything um, in a little video so you could kind of see it properly and weigh it up. But yeah, um, I can always go back and have a look. Yeah, no, those photos were great. I looked at them again last night, actually, which is what upset me. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I should take that album down <laughs> No, I was looking for another photo And then I thought oh, I'll just look at them again And I looked at them and it was like it just annoyed me It just annoyed me hmm. So, you know, I don't know mate If, you, if you're in that way and you feel like doing it I mean, we can yeah, talk yeah, about yeah. that later I can, But I, I mean, yeah. but like, you know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? The end of the year, do you feel like that with your car? It's like, I don't know, Christmas is like And I'm looking at photos on Instagram And it's not helping me You know, I'm seeing you know, other people who I've spoken to in Australia and other people who've been on the owner stories and people are out enjoying their cars and other people are going for drives. And, and I don't know, it's just like yeah, I'm feeling sorry that. for myself, I think. I think, I, you know, like there's worse problems in the world, but I'm feeling a bit sorry for myself that I don't have the car and I'm not enjoying it. You know what I mean? And then I get a, yep. a reminder email from Order House Hamilton saying my car's due for service. And it's like, you know. Oops. <laughs> you know uh, what I mean? I, yeah, yeah, I can understand the wistfulness um, of all of that and the disappointment of um, the car kind of being damaged. But yeah, grand scheme of things, um, that that sort of thing can be sort of fixed, and it's not kind of like a major thing. So try not yeah. to really get too down too much. Well, you know, then I think about other things. I think about the car being, you know, the nine eleven being stored for this long, and then I think about tires, and I think about, you know, I think about all the all the bad things that could go on. You know, things that get into your head. I know this is a very joyful way to like celebrate the Christmas week here. <laughs> I know it's still Christmas. Everyone's going, "What's it's, wrong with you?" 
There's it's festivus. Fun. Yeah, so <laughs> it's festivus, yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, let's let's get into let's get into a few other things here. I don't know. We Steve and I have um, you know we've had a really busy past few days. Well, Steve has. I've been just lazing around. Really, I have actually been doing things. I have actually been doing things. Mm, the work um, back in for me. So sorry, I got a bit um, bit preoccupied with that. Yeah, and Steve's working again because he's decided he needs <laughs> he needs some more money. <laughs> I need to earn. He I need needs to, to buy that house. For, yeah. <laughs> Those sorts of things. All right, let's get into the usual things because I do have a shout out to do, and I and I should do it. I should otherwise I'm going to forget. Um, <clears throat> Porsche Cool Exclusive. Oh, you guys are going. Why are you plugging this every every episode? I'm not really plugging it, but there's there's always a shout out if if a new member joins, uh, and we have a new Porsche Cooled Exclusive member, Steve. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have Sean, and Sean okay, is Sean. coming in from uh, Okinawa in Japan. Okinawa is very familiar to me because that's where a lot of good denim comes from. Uh, And having been worked in fashion many years ago, uh, it's a very good spot for um, denim. Anyway, that's a bit of trivia. What brands come from Okinawa? Uh, Well, a lot of the the main denim mills are in Okinawa. Yeah, right. Yeah, so a lot of the really top quality denim mills are in Okinawa. Um, And also they they really do a lot of, I think Okinawa in that region is um, indigo. They're very big on indigo, which is a very, not indigo denim, but indigo dye. It's those t-shirts, those t-shirts you buy that are blue and then you wear them for one day and you take them off and your whole body's blue, that sort of dye. Yeah, I've been. Um, <laughs> I've got a couple of those, and I keep thinking, "Oh, don't sit in your your stupid pepita insert seats in those things." Cause yeah, yeah, you can't sit on your if you've got a if you've got, you know, this is the thing about light coloured seats. I'm kind of really, yeah. uh, and I'm, I'm getting off the track. I'm going to give Sean a shout out in a second, but light coloured seats, <laughs> light coloured seats. We're going to be. This is going to be one of these episodes, Steve, where we're getting distracted. I'm going to get distracted. Okay, so you have to pull me back in cool. line. But light-coloured wow. seats, I've got a bit of a thing for at the moment. I kind of like the idea of a light-coloured seat. Like I like the 992. No, I, no not, the nine, not light colour, but I like the 992 with that brown-coloured seat, you know, the brown yep. club leather. But even, yep. even that leather, if you wear a lot of denim and you wear a lot of those sort of colours, the colour mm. will come off on the seat. There's it no way ever yeah. avoiding it, especially when you live in a hot climate like Australia when it's a hot summer. I don't know how it is yeah. in Asia. It must be worse because, you know, in Middle East, they all have light colors, light or red colors interiors. But y- you just can't do it because you're just going to have your it's seats are going to be. It definitely transfers. Yeah, it transfers. Had, my parents had a th- 320 BMW with dove gray um, leather, mm. and that was an absolute nightmare. And I had that um, VR6, which I had um, upholstered by Clarence in the Saffron. Um, Saffron leather, which was effectively kind of like a brightish yellow. I want to get back that to was, that, why you had it reupholstered. That was terrible. Let me finish this shout out for Sean, but I want to get back to why you would reupholster your seats in a new car. Is that what you did? Because they were cloth. Hang yeah. on. Okay. Um, so, Sean. Hi, Sean. Um, we had a bit of a brief chat through. Sorry, Sean. We had a brief chat through Patreon. So, thanks for joining Porsche Cool Exclusive. Really appreciated. Uh, like I said, he lives in Okinawa, Japan. His brother lives in Sydney and he has friends in Tasmania. He said he doesn't have a 911 yet. He doesn't have a Porsche. Uh, he's wanted one since he's really young. Um, he wants to get one one day and he's listening to the podcast basically because he's enjoying the podcast. He said he really enjoys it. So, thanks for that, Sean. And uh, he's listening to the podcast to gain as much info as he can about Porsches. Um, so that's, uh, that's what he's doing. 
Um, so thanks mm-hmm. again, and thanks for joining uh, Porsche Guild Exclusive. Like I said, if you want to join Porsche Guild Exclusive, it does help us um, keep talking. Uh, you just get a you just go. You just go to patreon.com slash Porsche Cooled or go to patreon.com and search Porsche Cooled. It's pretty easy to sign up. It's very, very easy. Um, $5 US a month. So that would be much appreciated. Porsche Cooled owner story, Steve. Have you listened to it? I did. Um, sorry, I've forgotten the guy's name though. Todd. 356. Yep. Todd, so that's it. This week we had Todd, uh, another 356 owner actually. So that's two 356 owners we've had. So we had Mark from Mark and Cars who was on a few weeks back from Perth in Australia. Uh, Todd, uh, if you haven't listened to it, listen to that episode. Todd's a really nice guy, really interesting to talk to, um, great story. Um, he, I found and I didn't... it extremely random how he <laughs> was looking for a 996-997 and wound up in a 356, but um, cool. Yeah, well, I guess these things just present themselves. Do you know what I mean? I guess they just present yeah. themselves and you think, you know. I mean, he's... I suppose he's... if an unbelievable barn find kind of pops up, then it's probably too too good to refuse sort of thing. That's the thing, mate. That's the thing. And it seems like it did, you know, and, I, you know, I, I'm not going to relive everything in this in this podcast about what Todd spoke about, but mm. Todd's got a 1957 356A uh, T1, right? He's from Chicago area. Uh, Todd is also a, a member of Porsche Good Exclusive. He's been a member for a while. So Todd's been supporting the podcast for, for some time. Um, and so I know Todd was a bit hesitant at first to talk, like he, you know, he, you know, I know people are hesitant at first, but it was a really good conversation. I think he enjoyed he enjoyed doing the podcast, and I think he enjoyed listening to it listening to it afterwards. But what I thought was interesting, which I said to Todd in the thing, is one you know the amount of work that he's doing himself. You know what I mean? Hmm. The fact that he's managed to source out those two experts, one near him and the LN engineering, to you know to get the uh, the engine sorted. Yep. And the fact that he came from a nineteen seventies Mark One Mustang. <laughs> I really, and yeah. I said to him, you've got to tell me the experience when you drive the 356, you know, and it's a completely different experience, right? It's this thing we, yeah, that yeah, I yeah. keep harping on about and you and I talk about the speed versus experience, you know what I mean? What, yep, yep. It, you know, what, it, I know there's a balance, Steve, but you know, like that is really going for the experience from the 356 uh, from the Mark 1. I suppose, I, I don't know much about Mustangs. I'm assuming that it would make a pretty amazing noise, but. Um, the performance is all in a straight line, though, isn't it? I guess um, American muscle cars are a bit like Australian cars, weren't they? They're a bit the same. Yeah. They're they're yeah, not yeah. about handling. They're about. It's all about straight line. Straight line speed. The, yeah. The, the the sort of noise and the kind of rumble from a um, a big V eight sort of thing. Yeah. But I'm always surprised, though, how many barn finds there are there are like lying around. I don't know whether Australia has all these cars hidden. You know, in the bush, in the outback, you know, where the kangaroos are jumping around, they're jumping over the top of old <laughs> 911s and 356s. But America's just, it's just an endless supply, you know? Mm. And I know I brought up that thing about Laricus, Larry Ammo in New York City and that, that Datsun yep. 240Z that he found. Um, yep. You know, friends of my parents had one of those. A friend of my parents who used to own a pub had one of those, one of those cars. And yeah, I right. thought it was the coolest thing when I saw it. I remember seeing that car. I thought, man, that's such a cool car. That's a sports car. But these cars that have, yeah, that's in, that's in, right? That's in 240Z. Yeah. Which, if you look at inside of those, they're actually not that bad, the interior, when you look at the interior. I mean, they're so expensive now. They've just become crazy. Yeah, I know nothing about them, but um, they seem to have obviously kind of appreciated 
much like um, classic BMWs and Porsches and stuff like that. But, mate, what is it about, and I know, you know, this is a Porsche podcast, we're not going to talk about other cars too much, but what is it about the values of rotary Mazdas, RX-7 Mazdas, Alphas, and um, Datsun 240Zs? They're all enthusiast cars. Like, it's gone crazy that those cars yeah. are like, you know, I looked at some prices the other day, they would just sort of come up and it was like, whoa, they're they're very expensive. You know, Porsche's not that My bad. Uncle. My uncle raves about rotaries. Um, I, he had one back in the day, like when he was a, a sort of young guy. Um, and I've never, I don't think I've ever driven a rotary, but he sort of said, oh, you have to try one. <laughs> you have to, he said, you have to try one before you die because it's a very different experience. It's like, oh, okay. But um, when the RX-7 came out, the Mazda RX-7, I mean, it was, you know, people bought it and it was, you know, popular. But wasn't there issues with mm. the rotary engine? Weren't the rotary engines yeah, that had, they had underlying big issues, right? Yeah, I think they consume heaps of oil and um, because the sort of shape of it is literally like that sort of triangular rotary thing that it wears on the tips and um, right, right. means that, um, yeah, it just drinks oil, all that sort of stuff. So back to barn finds, you know, Todd calls his a barn find. You know, it wasn't found in a barn, it was found in a garage. But it, it is a barn find. And, you know, if you look at Todd's Instagram, you should check it out, uh, Stone City Outlaw. Stone, mm. I'll get this right one day, Stone underscore City underscore outlaw um so go to todd's instagram and give him a follow if you haven't already if you haven't listened to the podcast go and listen to last week's owner stories but you know these barn finds like his buddy found it you know what i mean like Mm. you know and it's just sitting there and the interior of that 356 you know he's put post pictures on his instagram and the interior is like almost perfect there's nothing wrong with it steve you know what i mean and considering some of the examples that are around like todd actually sent me a instagram message last night um, and it was a 911, I think, for sale in the US, like project car. And it was just like fenders missing and rusted. And, you know, some of these yeah. cars that people are trying to sell, like, and, he, you know, I didn't want him to give up the price of what he paid for it. But I, I think he got a good deal on that, on that 356. You know, he a 356. bargain, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. And 356As are, you know, they're getting big dollars now. They're getting big dollars. Is it? Right. But another thing which I, which I really like about owner story, Stephen, I've noticed this. Um, and you guys who are listening will probably be nodding your head because people say when I'm talking, they're in the car and the radio and they're wanting to like stop me or nod their head or interject to our conversation, Steve. So, but <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? But um, it's interesting. I look at Instagram and I see a lot of you guys who have been on owner stories and a lot of people that I know, you know, are following each other now and commenting on each other's Instagrams, uh, which I think is really fantastic. You know what I mean? I see it quite often, you know, mm-hmm. which is good. Which is good that everyone's sort of connecting and, you know, I guess being on owner's stories, you guys have a common bond and, you know, you all chat afterwards and, and follow each other and DM each other. So I know a lot of uh, the past owner's stories people are keeping in contact with each other. So that's a nice thing to come out of the podcast, Steve. Yeah, cool. Um, what else? What else? Where am I? Uh, what did, um, so did Santa, was Santa kind to you last? I got nothing. Last podcast you kept talking about. Um, Santa kind of leaving you a 912 under the tree or possibly an F car, uh, KW three-way I think we were we'll misunderstood in the last episode. I had a couple of comments and I just said that to you before we came online. I'm not going to mention the word again, right? I'm not going to say it on this podcast ever. I'm not going to mention uh, that F word ever again. Uh-huh. But You mean fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the F word. <laughs> the thing was, and maybe my question wasn't clear, but my question to you and the question to both of us is, 
yes. if you had the nine eleven, nine twelve you wanted, and you want, and what else would you want for Christmas? What other car? And I guess you told me it couldn't be a Porsche, so that's why. Yeah, I it couldn't be a Porsche because you already had the Porsche. You know what I mean? Oh, could I get another Porsche? Yeah, you could have. Oh, now you tell me. <laughs> no, because no. What I was trying, I, I guess, I didn't word the question properly. It was, it was more oh. about like if you weren't getting a Porsche, what would you get? Do you know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. And that's why I brought up the thing about Paul in New Zealand, who's been on other stories about. I just think it's a, you know I think the F car was a good combination with the Porsches. You know what I mean? And you mm-hmm. see a lot of people on forums that have. You know, Porsches, they don't just have all Porsches. Some of them also have an 80s, you know, F car. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Um, it wasn't like I'm going to go out and buy one. I don't have any money anyway. <laughs> I'm going to have less money in the next few months, it appears. That's why, that's why I nominated an MX-5 as well. <laughs> yeah. So Steve took the MX-5 I was trying route. To, I was trying to be sensible. But obviously this is... coin your phrase. Yeah, but obviously that thing in the last... If you haven't listened to the, that Christmas episode, have a listen to it. But... um. Basically, that was if, if, your, if your Porsche Santa bag is full, my Porsche Santa bag is full, I've got all the Porsches I want, what else mm-hmm. would you get? And that was what I was getting to. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Your Porsche bag is full, Steve. Mm, it's, ne- it's never full, mate. <laughs> Santa bag, your Porsche Santa bag. What does Santa bring you? Are we still calling him Santa? I think we can call him Santa. That's politically correct, right? What did Santa bring you? Santa bought me... Those, <laughs> remember, I can't remember. I think we were just chatting on text. Um, yeah. Those um, Puma sneakers, the Speed Cats. The driving shoes, the driving boots. Yeah, but they're not driving boots. They're just the like Sparco Puma. Sneakers. The Sparco Pumas. Yeah, yeah, they were throwbacks. Did you, didn't you have a pair of those in like, it was sort of like it late was rem- 90s, I reckon? Late yeah, 90s? they remind me of. Kung Fu shoes, boxing thing. There was that thing with yeah, the yeah, Adidas, yeah. Adidas karate shoes that were a bit like a driving shoe. People used to buy them for a driving shoe. Yeah, yeah, I remember those. So, I, um, I, so yours are the Sparco Puma ones, though, right? Is that what they are? They're yeah, the, they're just yeah. Yeah, I like those. I like those. Yeah, my wife didn't know what to get me, so she sort of said, "What do you want?" And I was just looking at them, just like, "Oh, just give me these. They're fine." So, so do, you, do um, you go faster? Have you tried no. them out? Have you gone faster in the GT3? No, I walked um, the Walter, my dog, <laughs> around the block and got blisters in the back. <laughs> really? Um, I've got to wear them in. Yeah. You've got to wear them. Um, in the, you've got to try them in the car. That's what they're for. They're driving shoes I've so you can change of, quicker. So you can do back that. Back in the 90s, shift. I had a few, few, few pairs of them. No, I don't think they make any difference, mate. I just like the look of them. <laughs> they're, they're actually quite comfortable, though. What color are they? Red. Black. Oh, that's good. Black. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I like to get a pair of driving shoes. I just don't know which one. I know, um, like I said, people have Pilotti. They still make them, right, Pilotti? But I kind of like the Sparco, Sparco ones, more Sparco-type ones, but not fireproof, well, not the full-on ones like we said before. Yeah, like I said, that's why I maintain they're just um, fashion shoes because I would feel like a tool and a half, um, you know, going going out for a drive with you or my other mate or whatever and stepping out of my car wearing, um, like, proper... <laughs> driving racing shoes um, maybe i should get a pair and then when, when when i come back we can both wear them and look like you know cool guys in our uh, Porsches with yeah, our driving not. shoes on <laughs> yeah maybe not mate <laughs> um what else did i get yeah i bought myself a camera oh yeah let's tell it tell let's talk about your camera because camera's related to porsche um well not it's <laughs> related only in the fact that um 
I needed it for work because of what I sort of do, plus Take pictures taking of women, photos of... That, that job or the other job? <laughs> women. You, you're already referring to my 16-month-year-old baby as a... <laughs> um, yeah, so for family photos and stuff like that. Um, I've always been completely shite at photography, so um, I've got... Plenty of photographer friends, so I kind of tapped into a bit of advice and bought myself a camera. And I've been just, um, I gave myself an early Christmas present. I kind of got it a couple of weeks ago. It's a pretty good deal. Um, and you I've have been plenty of money, so that's good. <laughs> yeah, no, got plenty of debt. Um, but yeah, I've been practicing trying to shoot my car occasionally. I've sent you some kind of examples of stuff. Yeah, they're um, good shots, actually. Cars are very tricky to shoot. Um, I know this from experience, like, professionally working on um, car advertising campaigns. It, it's a real kind of craft, but just um, trying to get it right, even just, like, amateur hour with a um, sort of reasonable kind of camera. It's not, like, super-duper kind of thing. Um, but you have the Fuji the, camera, right? The Fuji X-T or whatever it's called. X-T4, yeah. Yeah, which yep. has got really good reviews. I read the reviews after you told me because I wasn't sure about it. I mean, I've got the Sony, but I never really use it. But mm. I want to get onto that actually, because you yeah, are okay. used to you, car photography is difficult, and it's the same as doing videos of cars as well. You know what I mean? It's not easy. Yeah. So you're used to directing people in these ad shoots, you know, big ad shoots and whatever. Oh, when you well, do it was, like, yes, yeah, were. Yeah. But you, you know, you still, yeah. you know, that's your life. Um, that's your life. <laughs> you're used to directing people. How is it when you're thinking yourself, thinking about it yourself, when you've got to take a photo? Because usually you direct people who have had more years of experience in photography. So how is it when you're thinking about, you're obviously would be thinking about how you would direct them to take a shot of a car and then you're trying to work it out yourself? Is, so, it, is it weird though doing that when you're actually doing it yourself? What you've just described is the exact reason why I've never been good at photography and I've never sort of taken it up myself because I started um, in advertising pretty young, like 19, um, and I was so used to kind of working, like, and I worked on car accounts, like, right back in the day. So Volkswagen was one of the first accounts I worked on. Um, I was so used to working with proper professional commercial photographers. So, um, and, you know, I never studied it, so I had no idea about apertures and lighting and lensing and all of that type of type of stuff. And I was very used to just kind of standing next to somebody and kind of going, look, you know, I'd like it to look like this and, you know, I'd be describing it in layman's terms. And even today, like if a, plenty of pro photographer mates will talk to me, you know, quite technically and it's like, can you explain that to me in English as in terms of what will that actually, what will the end result of that be rather than telling me about f-stops and, you know, certain lenses and stuff like that. And that's the exact reason why I'm so shit at it because I've been so used to working with people that are really good at it and, sort of being able to kind of go, oh, I'd love it to look like this, and then they'd kind of go off and go and achieve it and do it. So okay. I don't – I'd never practised it myself. Okay. Is, to, to everyone listening, Steve says he's shit at it. I mean, I've seen some of the images. He's not shit at it, okay, because uh, I've seen shit car photos, and I'm telling you now these photos are not – these photos are pretty good. And, you know, and I think what you've done is like the basic – you know, what you've done is because you know – Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. I you know, know so much what now. you need, yeah. you know what I mean? Like you know that the location is important. Like Steve took some photos yes. the other day which was near um, shipping containers, um, which yeah. I want you to take me to that place so I can get photos of my yeah, car yeah. in front of there too, Steve. 
and you'll be yeah. really good at it by then. You can take the photos for me. <laughs> you're, I would say that you're really good at all that sort of stuff because you've been doing the YouTube thing and um, the social sort of thing, which, yeah. as everybody knows, like I, I don't partake in sort of social media at all. So I don't – this kind of – this trend of however long it is, like, what, 10 years where people – have really kind of taken to photography just for fun. I never did that as well, like yeah. because I never post anything on Instagram. You or, should put a couple um, of those photos on your Insta, though. You should go and follow Steve on Instagram, actually. GT Steve, isn't Nothing it? Nothing to at, look at. Go and you should <laughs> put a couple of those images on there. I think Ajmal asked me. Ajmal from Flat Cap Driver asked me for your Instagram the other day. I think he was going over mm-hmm. to follow you because he hadn't followed you. You probably noticed he followed uh, you. I think he. I think he did. Yep. But sorry, Ajmal. There's nothing to see. <laughs> I told him that. I said there's nothing on there. Um, yeah. No, but I think what you, you know, you say you're shit, but you're not actually because those photos, Steve took some of the photos in front of these, you know, burgundy shipping containers or whatever and then like it's deserted and he took the GT3 and it's just, I guess what you know, it's it's those basic tips that a lot of people don't know when they're taking a photo. It's like doing a YouTube video as well, I guess. Yeah. Um, it's those basic tips where the location is really, really important yep. and you found yep. a great location, a great backdrop to Porsche and I know other people have used, you know, shipping containers. You see a lot of photos on Instagram of people taking photos in, in those sort of situs. But it's not easy hard to find, to find them. Though. It's hard to find yeah. them, exactly. Hard to find them when, one, yeah. you're allowed in, and two, there's no one around to be walking in front of your shot or, or et cetera, yep. or it's on a main road or whatever. So you got the yep. location, great. Um, the framing of those shots, you know, another tip when you're doing, you know, the location and the framing, two really important things. And, and you frame them really, really well. You know what I mean? And getting the right uh, angle, and also the. Do getting, you want to talk about that sort of stuff? Well, we can yeah. we can talk about it briefly, just so people know what yeah, you. Just the, the absolute tips. basic tips. Yeah. So location and um, framing, I think, is where is is me to me. It's a really strong foundation. You have to, that has to be perfect, correct? So when you talk about framing, like, um, see, like again, I'm not going to get super technical, but um, I remember there's a kind of there's a. Young guy, young Melbourne guy on um, YouTube and Insta who I wound up watching, and he's really, really good with the camera. He shoots lots of cars. I remember sort of seeing something that he he put some tips on there, which is using like a really, really long lens. So you stand back, like really far away from your car, and you you use a long lens, and um, that helps. So like my camera um, um, has a sort of... degree of zooming on it so I kind of used the longest kind of lens on that and sort of stood back from that that's yep. that's one tip another tip is people tend to kind of stand just normal height um, if you can either get up high or get down low and the easier one with a car is get down low so put your yeah. put your camera close to the ground even if it's a phone and look up at it it makes it look a lot more squat so I was, was going to say that, one. can I just interrupt for a second? That shoot yeah. low, shoot high thing is really, really yep. important. You know what I mean? I took a photo of yep. my car from Autohouse Hamilton one day. I was up in the service waiting room upstairs there. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and my car was just happened to be parked down there and I took a photo. This is when I first got the car. Yeah. And I still like yeah. that photo. I mean, it's iPhone or, you know, but I probably could have done it better. But just the angle of it, I thought I've got to take more photos like that because it's really good. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. the shoot low thing is really, really interesting. And I just got an email this morning from Classic Throttle Shop in Sydney. Um, yep. Some of you listening will know what that is. Their email, did you get their email? Are you on their email no. list? No. So they've just got no. front-ons of cars. They've just done the cars and they've, the new cars in their showroom and they've just done the front-on and it's low. And it's Dead just front-on? F- yeah. It's just the front yep. of the car and it's just low, yep. Steve. 
And the shots are great. You know what I mean? Like you look yeah. at it, it's it just makes it so artistic and so so nice. You know what I mean? And I think that's what's yep. nice about your photos that you took too. Those, and this is not about that, but being low, but the close-ups you did inside. You know the what? You know the close-up angles. It's getting that getting that angle correct, which I think you you nailed it. Uh, yeah. So the other bit to that is, um, well, again, it's probably not too technical, but shallow depth of field. So most kind of really good sort of reportage arty type shots sort of like have one part of the shot in focus and the rest of it is out. So if you can look through things like, um, you know, like if there's something really kind of close to your eye, like um, the window frame, um, but you're kind of looking past the, you know, the doors open, you can sort of see the window in the absolute foreground, which will get really kind of blurry then you kind of focus on, you know, like the steering wheel, whether it's the 12 o'clock marker or the gear knob or something like that, then everything past that is going to be out of focus as well. Um, that always makes for a really kind of nice sort of simple type of shot as well. Like shooting interiors is really hard, particularly black ones. Hard for the hard ones. for the lighting, right? So that's the other thing yeah. which you, I don't know if you mentioned yet, the lighting and using yeah. using the different times of the day. You know what I mean? Especially when you're doing YouTube videos, you know, picking the time of the day. Like sometimes I go out when in the afternoon. Shoot them? Well, sometimes yeah. I try to go in the afternoon to get that afternoon sun. But, you know, the morning sun, yeah. I mean, it, it, each each time of the day has its purpose, right? You know this, like whether it be morning, yeah. whether it be full sun. Full sun's not ideal for videos, though. It's not ideal depending on what camera you're using, I guess, um, because it's going to mm. be blown out. But the, And late so afternoon is nice. Thing. That half... Light, yeah. half dark, if you can get that right, is really nice. So absolute kind of super old school, like I'm talking 25 years ago, um, all car photographers would want to shoot at golden hour, which is actually sunrise or sunset. When the right. when the sun is literally rising or setting, there's sort of like, it's not even an hour, it's sort of like 20 or 30 minutes um, because the light's kind of soft and ha- not harsh. Um, you get very soft shadows, all of that sort of stuff. Um, that's a very old school kind of way of doing things because I think these days, like, a lot of stuff actually looks quite good in sort of harder sunlight. Um, and the way to pick it is that the shadows um, become quite dark and uh, and long, um, which make things look a little bit more dramatic. I think it's also depending on the colour of your car. Like, my car's white. Yeah, which is so, hard to take because uh, it overexposes yes. a bit, right? If it's in bright sunlight, you've got to make sure you get the whole um, aperture, everything in in, in check. Yeah, I suppose so. Silver cars are dead easy, but black cars, like dark cars are very hard to shoot um, because they're very reflective. You can sort of see everything around it. So, But I think it's fun, it, you know, to get good photos of your mm. car. And you can do this, you know, you don't need a good camera to do this. You can do it with your iPhone. Um, and I'm sure, yeah, I, yeah, I know yeah. there's videos on YouTube where people, you know, show you the tips to hit, take photos with your iPhone. I think it's even on Porsche's newsroom site, the guys, the Porsche photographer is telling you how to get the great shots. It is actually, I saw it the other week, how to get great oh, shots yeah. of your, yeah. The guy that does photography yeah, right. for Porsche is doing one with, I think it's on Porsche's YouTube channel. If you do search, search Porsche's YouTube channel, I forget his name. Oh, okay. And That'd he uses his iPhone and, and shows you the what to do. But it's similar tips yeah. here. You know what I mean? It's light, it's framing. Yep. It's getting the car on the right angle. You know, I notice that when you take when I take photos of my 911, you know, sometimes you just get the right angle. It's like, wow, that photo looks great. You know what I mean? But it's getting uh, that yeah, sort of so turn in angle with the wheels and the right angle so you get that. That, if uh, all else fails, like if you really feel like you have absolutely no idea what you're doing, like, and this obviously gets super subjective, but the probably the best angle traditionally for cars is um, a front quarter. So it means that um, pretend you're looking at it dead overhead 
your car's like sort of what five o'clock pointing where five o'clock is so right. you're you're not dead front on you're not dead profile because they're often like two not great sort of things it's yes. like you're on a slight angle like you're and you're either looking at the front of your car so your headlights are kind of coming towards you yes or do the same but from behind so um yeah i read that without fail that's how like most like if, if you kind of start to analyze kind of car photography they're the sort of classic angles where most cars look really good but 911s because of that sort of teardrop shape, um, particularly like both angles, the front and the rear, they always look good like that. I read something on Duck and Whale, Duck and Whale magazine's Instagram, and I think he had a photo or something. And he said this mm. wouldn't normally be the ideal photo because of how it was taken. It's one of his yep. photos. I think he said to make sure it's balanced and you get it down the center, that the photo is down the center, like the right. car's in the center of the image. Yep. Is that correct? Something like that. So you get it centered. And he said it was slightly off-center, which wouldn't normally be perfect, but the photo he was still quite happy with. And I guess that's, I don't know. I mean, you can always edit your image and you should edit your images. I mean, everything I put on Instagram, I, I edit inside um, iPhoto first, not iPhoto. Yeah, that was going to be my last thing. Yeah, I always I, edit I, through there and use the filters and, and obviously crop them when they need to be cropped. Exactly. It made me realize too, because... Um, you know, I sort of shot some stuff with this new Fuji kind of camera and like the raw shots um, straight out of the camera, you can't look at it and go, oh shit, maybe this camera is not as good as I thought that it was. But once you, and like I know not everybody knows how to use Photoshop and stuff like that, but once you kind of just put a bit of contrast in it and you sort of tweak the colors a little bit, uh, co contrast is probably one of the bigger ones. Um, it makes everything look just a lot more polished and slicker yeah. and stuff like that. But it's good fun taking photos of your car. I mean, I've been enjoying the ones. Steve's been sending them to me on a shared um, photo library on because we're on Mac. Um, and yeah. they're good photos. And even the ones he took the other day near your place, which you said weren't great, they were just nearby. But even those, they're, they're, good, they're good images. I mean, they're I use, I use one, actually. I use one. I hope that's okay. Yeah, the interior thing. Yeah. They're not great because I think, um, uh, like, just, you know, like normal suburban people like all of us and probably the people that you're listening to, like, it's pretty hard to kind of go and find, like, an alleyway with a, you know, industrial kind of warehouse wall or whatever. So most of us are surrounded by, like, you know, houses and green trees and grass. Just never looks that good in shots, like that type of background. So yeah. trying to find something nice and clean is probably... I noticed um, more effective. Yeah, true. I noticed on Instagram though, everyone's taking photos around in London because London's empty, so you can see all these photos appearing in like oh, Bond, okay. Bond yeah. Street and places like that. And the other night when we were walking back here, um, yeah. where we are in London, there was guys taking pictures of their AMG yeah. and their GTR, and they had it parked in an area where you're probably not supposed to drive, but they drove up and they yeah. had you know there's all these young guys standing around, they were taking trying to take good night shots with the. Um, uh, Canary Wharf in the background. Yep. yep. Um, so when I noticed a lot of people, I noticed a lot of people actually in the UK, it doesn't matter where I say we are, Canary Wharf, and a lot of people do these use Canary Wharf as a backdrop. I notice there's some, quite a lot of photos I see that are actually just sort of nearby here. Oh, okay. I guess, it's, I guess it's not that busy. I guess it's not that busy as well. Yeah. So like um, just some of that stuff that I was just spouting, I'm assuming that's probably in line because like the stuff that you film like for your, when you were doing your YouTube stuff, um, and your Instagram sort of social stuff, is that pretty much in line with? Yeah, pretty much. Um, pretty much. I mean, a lot of the time, sometimes I rush it. You know what I mean? Sometimes yeah. I rush it. It's difficult filming outside. I still find it a difficult thing because especially, you know, if you're in places where there's a lot of people walking past, it's like, you know, 
it's not I never find it comfortable even and it's not even just yeah, filming yourself it's even just filming yeah. your car and people are walking past and they're probably thinking oh you wanker you know what are you doing exactly I felt quite self-conscious about doing um just kind of busting the camera out and sort of you know squatting and rolling around on the ground and all that sort of stuff kind yeah. of just with a camera but I was filming on the side of the road um in where was it? Old Pack, one day, Old Pacific Highway, yep. and it was there yep. must have been something in the freeway. So the freeway, all, as soon as I started filming, it was like, why is there so many, so much, car, so many cars on the Old Pacific Highway in this spot where I pulled over? And, and yep. then there was apparently some accident on the freeway, so people were trying to divert the bit oh, on the freeway. Okay. Yep. And like even then, I was filming and I was whatever, and people were beeping when they're going past. Yeah. So right. like I had to like couldn't use it because people were like beeping. I was thinking, why are you why are you doing that? You know what I mean? That's weird. Yeah. yeah, like people. So there, it is a weird thing. It is a weird thing, but you know, I think it's interesting. Yeah. You know, when you get a car, you want to take photos of it. You want to get great photos. Um, someone is coming up on an owner stories in a few weeks. Amir, who does all the his own maintenance, he sent me some photos for the podcast and for the YouTube when I put it up on YouTube. His photos were good. Yeah. He had a good spot. You know, he lives in LA, so there's like a. He's got it against yep. the backdrop of like the rocky sort of um, backdrop, and it looks great. The photos yep. are great. Um, so it is really about, I think location is the main one though, isn't it, Steve? You know, like get the location, get a right location and then work out the rest. Yep. Yeah. It, I guess it's satisfying. Like, uh, I, I, and I know it sounds like a bit of a tool kind of thing because, um, like I said, I've done it as, well, not, not shot cars as a profession, but had people kind of shoot cars for or with me. Steve um, had his but slaves I, shooting I really, for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All of them. Um, and they were feeding me grapes from up high whilst Steve underplays this, but he bidding. was very, very important. He still is no, important, no. <laughs> but he does, under, he does <laughs> underplay it. He does underplay it's it. It's just he's an advertising maverick. That, um, Do a search; you'll come up. He's an advertising maverick. Negative. Um, <laughs> it it is very satisfying, like when you kind of just get um, some of the basics right, and you take a shot. It's like, oh, actually, I think. Particularly when you're just sort of like a car enthusiast and you're shooting your own sort of pride and joy, you know, after you've kind of washed it and then you sort of take a yeah. nice shot of it. It's, it's like, appreciation. Oh, that's it's quite appreciation. Fun. Yeah. I mean, you know, and like we said, iPhones or Samsung phones or whatever phone you have are pretty good. iPhones, of course, are probably going to be better. But, you know, <laughs> if you don't have a good yeah. camera, the iPhone can do it. It's just about getting the, those things sorted out, the light, you know, the framing, the location. Yep. Shoot low, shoot high, like Steve said, you know, it's all important. Hey, I want to go back yep. to that thing, you know, how you said you did Volkswagen you ads. And the Volkswagen ads that you did, you worked on were really, really cool, by the way. I remember those now. I remember seeing them. <laughs> um, they were, they were really cool. So Thanks, is that man. what made you buy a Volkswagen? No. Were you work when you bought your VR6, was that was when you were doing, was that when you were doing their campaign? Account. Yes, yes. I didn't get a, I didn't get a discount through the client. But yes, I was working on it. Um, so they didn't give you any benefits. I think we could have, but generally, um, in those days, I think they would just direct you to sort of like a dealer, and they'd sort of go like, you know, tell them we sent you blah blah blah, and then oh, okay. you kind of get, you know, like still pretty reasonable price. But back then, I would have had my uncle beside me, and he's a he's a hard taskmaster when it comes to bargaining. So he yep. would have done. <laughs> He would have secured uh, equally good deals. So. 
But see, anyone who feels uncomfortable about redoing the upholstery in their car or whatever, I mean, you know, all I've done is bought the leather parts, which are sitting in a box back in Sydney, waiting for me to get back to fit them. You know, getting a whole dash recovered in your in your 964 that you did, and now, you know, the fact that you got... 993, sorry. And then getting your um, whole Volkswagen VR6 recovered. So you've been doing that for a long time. You like like doing that interior modification. So that... that, Yeah, look, again, that came from the fact that Mad car enthusiast uncle um, who came across, um, who needed to get his old, oh, what was it? I think it was a 535, the, the cool one. The, I can't remember the um, model designation in terms of the code. Right. Um, before Chris Bangle got a hold of um, BMWs. Yeah. Um, yeah, the nice shape. So, the one that Zuckerman has. Yeah, yeah. So he he was he was looking to get his upholstery, and he found a guy um, and basically made friends with him. And then um, Clarence Clarence did my MX five for me, and he did an amazing job. And then from there on in, like that was back in the day where the MX five had cloth seats as standard. Then I traded the MX five for um, the VR six, um, which was a brand new car, but it still had a cloth interior. Um, and when you kind of had access... There was no leather option. There was no leather option on that car? I can't remember. Maybe there was, but I didn't option it. Um, right. So that was dragon green on the outside. And um, had Clarence put um, what was BMW Napa leather in saffron, which was a um, BMW... Um, <laughs> no, it was brilliant. It was so good. If I can dig up pictures, I'll send them to you. I'm pretty sure that you'll kind of go, yeah, okay. Cool, I remember. Okay. I no, I remember. It. I remember that car. Hmm. I remember that car when you had that car. I did have actually. I did actually see that car. If you if you think yep. back, I'm not going to say it on the podcast, but I do remember seeing that car. Yeah, yeah. But I don't remember the interior. The interior. The interior was yeah, like that was a great car. Because VR six um, at the time was like the car to have, and Steve had it, of course. It was like in Australia, it was like wow to get a VR six. It? it was it was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, Only rich yeah, people had them. Only rich people had them. <laughs> <laughs> I can see I can see some sort of weird running thing this, this episode. I have to start fighting fire with fire in a sec. <laughs> is Steve rich? Yes, he is. He's rich. No, um, I am not. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like, no, like to your question, because um, it's funny that you say that um, my mate with the GT3 um, was just picking my brains recently about, um, uh, I think he's obviously thinking about like what little updates that he can do to his, you know, um, he's had this GT3 for what, about a month. So and no issues so, since you've been talking, there's no issues? No, I don't think so. Um, he's got the comfort no, seats, yeah, no. right? The normal seats. He's got the comfort seats, but he's got a leather steering wheel, and he was asking about, like, you know, um, how to go about or, like, what was the best option to get, like, a Alcantara um, sort of steering wheel. I think he has a bit of a thing for Alcantara. And, well, that's easy. You know, I was just... Nice. Yeah, I was just sort of explaining it to him. Yeah. Except getting it from Australia to London would be a nightmare, as I kind of experienced, because I tried to kind of send something to Gary um, at a at um, FX and I balls that up completely. Yeah. Well, I, I told you I got hit with when those all those parts were hit Australia, I got hit with GST yeah, and Judy. Judy in Australia. It was a lot. And I see, I had no idea that sending stuff from Sydney to um, the UK that you get stung with that unless you, um, unless you sort of mark it up the right way. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Well, my sunroof part, my sunroof part that was missing that was not sent and the other part was sent, the long story that everyone's heard before. Yep. He... 
he wanted to give me a refund. I said no, because I still yeah. want it. And I think he's going to send it. I won't have to pay duty on it because I think he's going to send it in someone else's order. I don't know how I get it from oh, that okay. other person. He hasn't made it yet, but I don't think he could find the part. Yeah, right. But I think he said he's, oh, gonna, got, he's got some okay. other I, some other person in Australia has got a big order and he's going to add it into that order. I don't know how in the hell, because I'm not there, I have to get Tasha's brother, how I'm going to get that part from this other person. It's going to be a bit of a weird one, that one. So I've, I, I don't know how that one's going to work. I keep telling yeah, him right. to send it to the UK. Just give it to me in the UK, you know, but I don't know why he's hesitant to for some reason. Yeah. Um, but back to your point, though, I think, or the, I think you were about to ask about... Um, Retrimming an interior, and uh, my mate with GT3 was sort of saying the same thing, which is like, oh shit, do you really like? Is it really going to be kind of good? Like, can you, you know, will it be uh, on par with um, out of the factory? Absolutely. And I, yeah, I would argue that um, a good trimmer like Linus and um, John at Prostitch and my old mate, kind of Clarence, who. Um, yep. When you find somebody good and they spec the leather and they know what they're kind of doing and they kind of, you know, spend the time kind of getting the stitching right, um, absolutely, I think it's it's just as good as factory. Sometimes it can be better. Mm. But if he just wants the steering wheel done, wouldn't you best to send him to John at Pro Stitch or that other guy in our time and that Justin passed on to me which i gave you the details for which i can't think of yeah i passed it on to i passed it on to my mate uh, he was he was starting with the steering wheel but then he was talking about you know center consoles and lower dashes and upper dashes and all of that sort of stuff oh, you start and, to get expensive don't you if you do that yeah well but maybe you know, that's like better to take it to john at pro stitch for that because the people in our time and justin mm. had them revitalize all his leather i guess they do upholstery as well but he he had his 996 cab uh, Justin, if you're listening, I hope I haven't got this wrong. And he got them to revitalize it. And I think what he said it was exactly a, just bring the back to life. Yeah. Yeah. Like those videos on YouTube. Repainted it? I don't know. I think he said it was a bit worn and he had them redo it. Yeah. I think he said in the podcast it was about a grand from memory. Okay. Um, you know, just because I've seen wet. some stuff where, like, you know, like if your leather's. Um, cracked they kind of put a little bit of filler in it and then like most leather is actually like a painted finish on top of its yeah, dye yeah and they sort of effectively repaint it or re-dye it and then um sort of polish it out again yeah i saw that company in the uk actually that do that they they put some kind of paint on it i don't know yeah. if that looks great i'm not 100 percent sure if that looks fantastic but i mean if 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 he does that in his gt3 if he gets the if he gets the dashboard done he gets the center yes. console done and he gets the steering wheel. That's a, that's a big cost because I asked I asked um, <laughs> yeah. I asked Linus about the center console, and I think yeah. it was about, and this is not including this is him giving me the part, and I think yes. it was about sixteen hundred pounds. Oh, with the part because yeah. the part would be expensive if he could. It wasn't that no, it wasn't bit. that yeah second hand. It wasn't that expensive. The part he said he could get them a couple of hundred. Oh, okay. I think it was about sixteen hundred pounds for the center console. Um, and I mentioned before the leather dashes. You can get that leather dash direct from Porsche. He knows that, right? It's on Suncoast. Yeah, um, yeah, 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 five grand. But that's a that's a dear, that's a very dear kind of piece. Because I well, I don't so, know how much again, would it cost you to get reupholstered. Five grand US. I don't, I don't know the answer to that because I've never obviously had to do it. But I remember Clarence did my nine nine three, and I've, look, uh, realistically, I got mates rates because he became a sort of bit of a family friend kind of thing, but. It was wouldn't have been even close to five grand. Um, yeah, 
Um, anyway, but that, look, that was a long time. I mean, ago. that's the fun of owning a 911. That's the fun of owning a Porsche, where you get, you know, the you get leather parts. You know, there's always parts you can buy. You can buy OEM parts. You can buy the direct Porsche parts. You can go to. We've talked about this before, but exclusive option. Um, there's people in yep. the UK, people in Sydney, John at ProStitch. That a few of the listeners I know who are listening know that company. I've used him before. Um, Steve's yeah, friend, which Steve's friend, which you won't be able to find because he's only doing friends things. I think, isn't he? He's not actually. A, is he open to the public? Uh, Doing custom stuff, I think, um, might you'll be waiting a long time, put it that way. Yeah. But obviously, it's still cheaper to recover your original steering wheel than buy a new one because the steering wheels are expensive. Yeah, there's tons of places, like, and, and overseas, like, there's guys in Poland, like, um, Carbone do it, um, Dallas, there's a Dallas place, Dallas, Dallas Steering Wheels, Royal Steering yeah, Wheels. Yeah, Royal Steering UK. Wheels, yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone sent me Design that link, OS. actually. There's all these places that... Yep. Um, have a have really good reputations and you just have to kind of send them your steering wheel. The problem, if you're doing it, say, from Sydney... Is you can't that, drive your car. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> so for however long you're without your steering wheel, unless you've got a spare one. So when are, you going, when are you going for a fang again? When are you going for a drive again with um, your mate and the two white GT3s? He, asked, he actually asked, um, but I couldn't make it. Um, oh. I had the second part of um, my wife's family Christmas... You should go for a drive with him and um, take a sh- couple of shots of the two cars together. That would be cool. Yeah, <laughs> you should get him to get to. Take him in front of those containers you, and take two. It's like a double Im- mirror image. Waiting for you to get yours, mate. Yeah, I know. Be through. I'm going to get one. I'm going to get GT3 now. Yeah, do it. As well as a 912. Yeah, do it. I am. I am. I'm going to get a GT3. My car's, my car's ruined now. It's broken. Upset. Um, get rid of it. What else? What else? Uh, I didn't actually watch the video in its entirety, and I'm going to watch it, but on Harry's Garage, he was praising the um, base Carrera in the 992, um, which comes mm. back to what we've talked about before, is, is the base enough? You know what I mean? Um, mm. And I think this... I want to just bring that up really quickly, Steve, because we're, we're at the end of the mm. podcast almost, but it's that yeah. thing where people, you know, it's this thing that is common thread running through owner stories about, you know, not waiting. Buying the 911, you can afford now. And I think it comes back to yep. that base Carrera thing. You shouldn't overlook a base Carrera. Even if you want a 997, you know, I want a 997 Carrera S, I only want a Carrera S, you know. If a 997 base Carrera comes up, take it. Honestly, take it. Because the experience mm. is still there. Yep. I mean, he said that the 992 Carrera was, I think, better than the Carrera S. He thought it was all you need. And maybe the new 992 right. because it's got so much more power as well. I don't know how much. Plenty quick, yeah. Yeah, I don't know what the price differential is between a Carrera S and a Carrera. I don't know what that is. I guess it's 30 grand yep. in Australia, probably. Ish. I, I don't know, actually. Yeah, um, I don't know either. But, you know. Don't know the answer to that. I guess if you have the money, you stretch it. If you don't have the money, you know, there's nothing wrong with the base Carrera. It's still the Porsche. It's still engineered to be a, a 911. It's no different. Yeah, it's got a little bit less power. Yes, it's got a little bit more, less of the fancy bits inside. But experience wise, you know. I think it's more... more still an amazing car. Yeah. yeah, it's an amazing car. But I think it's still more relevant, Steve, when you're looking for a used one. Like, you know, if you're looking for a 991, for example, now, mm-hmm. obviously people want the Carrera S or the Carrera GTS. But I don't know. If a 991 base Carrera came up, there's nothing wrong with it. You know what I mean? There's nothing wrong with getting a base Carrera. Well, mm. it's not really a base Carrera. It's a Carrera. You know, there's nothing wrong with a Carrera. It's still got everything that you pretty need. And to start with, and, you know, I go back to what Nick said with his career 4S and the very first owner stories, you know, it's like training wheels. He hasn't, haven't had a 911 before. It's like your, it's like your training wheels. It's a good place to start. Plus all the kind of sort of stuff that we kind of ramble on about too. Um, uh, if you've got a, if you're into that sort of thing and you start kind of horsing around with it and tweaking suspension and putting lowering springs or 
modding a little bit of your interior, short shift kits, little exhaust <coughs> tweaks and everything. You still have lots of fun with it, so um, there's absolutely nothing wrong with the base model. Yeah, true, true. What else do we want to cover today, Steve? <laughs> we want to cover our four questions. We keep coming back to this four questions. It's not that exciting, yeah, sure. this four questions. We could just do it now. Okay, so I saw a yeah, thing sure. on Hodinkee. They were talking about watches. Some of you guys might have heard this podcast. Hodinkee is a watch site. You know, the guy's got millions. He's got lots of Porsches as well. But it was someone else doing the interview, the guy that always does the watch interviews, and he was asking someone four questions. So we kind of put, put these questions to Porsche. And the first question is, Steve, mm-hmm. are you ready for it? Yep, go. Most overread Porsche. I Porsche. have never driven one. Yep. I have never driven one, so I don't really know what I'm talking about. But I will nominate like a 930 slant nose, the flat nose, because I just don't like the look of them. I don't understand what the fuss is about. Like, um, if you kind of put like a normal one next to a slant nose, I'd kind of go the normal one looks better. And I know like it's going back to like the Le Mans race or yeah. what, like a 917? Yeah. No. Mm, I don't know a lot about the history, but I agree with you. I mean, they're, you know, they always appear on Instagram and they're always Nine, there, three. but I don't know. Yeah. Then most overrated? Yeah, probably. I think the most, I, I, I'll give you, I'll give you my answer. My, I think the most yeah. overrated is the 959. Ooh, okay. And I know that's probably going to be controversial, but the 959 in, in which most people, in which most of them are in the comfort spec, which was the main spec, I think. I remember listening to someone talking about this and they said the 959 is obviously had a huge influence on the 993 Turbo. And a lot of people say it's better. And a lot of people say that, you know, the the technology and whatever wasn't that went into the 993 Turbo and people say the 993 Turbo is a better car. And then I remember what, um, uh, what's his name? Porsche Malone, Cam Ingram was saying about it, that most people have the 959 in the comfort spec and basically it's... It's really overrated that the 959 Sport and the 959S, I think it was, or is it 959S is the same as the 959 Sport, which has bigger yep. bigger turbochargers, etc., um, increased power, is the one to get. Um, the comfort one is pretty, you know, pretty overrated. Basically, is what he said too. When you get in and drive it, I've never driven one, but I I, I think it's a bit. Mm, I'm not so sure about the it's 959. Fairly controversial, mate. Yeah, I'm not a big one fan of, of the most iconic cars. Yeah, yeah. like I. The look of it's not, it's not like a, the prettiest sort of thing um, compared to like a lot of other ones because it's quite complicated and the overhangs are so long and all of that type of thing. So I kind of get it from an aesthetic point of view, but I don't know, like it was pretty groundbreaking from a tech point of view. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Controversial. That's just what I think. Yep. I'm not right or wrong. I'm just, you know, just an average guy yeah, talking yeah, yeah. about Porsches. Okay, next question. Yeah. Most underrated Porsche. Guy, now we're in the most <laughs> underrated Porsche. Steve? Standard 993. Why? Um, be- well, there's this thing, I think, because as we've kind of banged on about, like 964s have become all the rage, which has sort of made 993s take a bit of a back seat. Um, I would argue, so I've kind of read a few sort of different things, like um, I think Jethro Bovingdon, who I rate very highly, sort of said that he didn't really fancy like a standard 993. I get why. Um, but the caveat to that, and I've said this before, is as soon as you mess with the exhaust a tiny bit, you know, go put a Fister thing on it. Um, they're so old these days that there's no way that you'd put them, you'd have it on the um, standard, the stock suspension. And I watched some other YouTube guy, an American guy, what's his name? Ren Enthusiast, I think. Ren Enthusiast. Right. Um, 
he's got a 993 that he just put um, something, I think it may have been Bill Steens or something like that on it. And a standard 993, as soon as you kind of put like a tweak, like probably the suspension and maybe the exhaust, um, then it is very, like it doesn't deserve the criticism that it gets. Okay. So better than the 964? Uh, I don't know about better. Just It's just not as not as shit as everyone sort of makes out. Okay. Well, most underrated Porsche, people I know, people most people are not going to know what I'm going to answer. I'm going to say 912. the 912. And uh-huh. I'm going to put a bit of caveat there. It's not just the 912. I guess it's the yeah. 912, but it's also, I guess, the 914. But the 914, yep. you know, um, I think was underrated. I mean, now obviously both of these cars are coming up, and I think it's because they were in the shadows of the 911. Um, yep. Especially the 912 being, you know, 911 body, but just a budget spec 911 with a four-cylinder engine instead of a six-cylinder. Um, yeah, sure. I think it's really underrated, and I think you can see now that things are changing. People have got over that, and people enjoy, you know, it's got the same gearbox, a dogleg gearbox, you know, five-speed, um, mm-hmm. you know, 901, isn't it? 901 gearbox. And I think that's, uh, you know, it's not because I'm a fan, but I really do think it, it, it is... Um, the most underrated Porsche. Okay. Next question. I about it to really understand. Go. What was the next question? Okay, this sort of follows on. Most mis- most misunderstood Porsche. Uh, 996 that isn't a turbo or a GT3. Yeah. So I, I'm going to I'm going to answer straight away. I agree with you. I agree with you. Hmm. Um, I didn't want to put this in the most underrated Porsche, the 996, because I don't think it's underrated. But I think it is. No, because mis- it's got a bit of a following now. Isn't yeah, it? I think it is misunderstood, and now it's it kind of fits into that underrated, that ugly Porsche segment a bit because of the headlights. Yeah. But it's more yeah. that it is misunderstood, and I think people are seeing it for something else today, and that's reflective in the, pe- the amount of people buying them. Of course, they're cheaper. Yeah, it's funny. Like I remember when I had my nine nine three. Like I wouldn't have touched a nine nine six. Like I remember sort of saying, "It's like, oh, would I want to?" Would I want to sell upgrade the nine nine three for nine nine six? And he's like, not a not a chance in hell um, at the time. And I probably, admittedly, I probably still wouldn't. But if I hadn't, if I didn't have a nine eleven and I needed, I wanted to kind of get into one. Um, like amazing driving experience. Like yes, the looks might not be as kind of cool as you know an old air cooled or you know like a more recent one or whatever else. But that doesn't make it a bad car. Just, um, you know, it's still a 911. It's still kind of got like a flat six boxer engine at the back. It's still kind of got, you know, um, the, the engine in the rear and like the same handling traits and all of that. And um, one of the um, Porsche chat guys that you sort of said, the, um, the guy in Melbourne sort of said that it drives better than a 993. It's like, yeah, I'm, James. I, I bet you it does. James, yeah. I absolutely the- bet you it does. Like when was the last time Porsche released a car that, you know, wasn't better than the previous generation. But he was saying the 98 with the options that he had in that white, yeah. Carrara white one, um, yeah. in 98 because it was the lighter one. He was saying yep. specifically that that, gen- that year. Yep. Um, so yep. maybe it is. I mean, maybe the early ones are better. Maybe this is why Magnus mm-hmm. Walker always harps on about getting the first of the generation. Maybe it's not a collector thing. Maybe it is. Maybe it's bef- yeah, before, maybe. maybe, I don't know. Do they, do Porsche fix things so it's, not as good like is the 996 gt3 mark one better than the mark two i know ap says it's he prefers a point two but a lot of people prefer the point one because it's rawer 
And then they kind of fixed it and made it less that way, right? Uh, yeah, possibly. I don't know. There's sort of funny little anomalies like, um, what was it? Like early 993s, um, they had better sports seats than the later 993s. Yeah, um, Like better bolstering and stuff like that. So there was some sort of like carryover options, I think, from a 964 to a 993. Probably the same with um, most of the kind of crossovers. Maybe that's why. But Here's a thought, mate. Is it because, mm. just let's go 993, right? Is the first mm. 993 better than a later 993? Because the first 993 is closer, and I'm not saying you're like closer to the 964, where the, the 993 and 96 is getting closer to mm. a 996 because they're developing the 996 almost at the end of that run of the 993. Is that what it is, do you think? Is there some crossover in their, in their most development? Enth- most enthusiasts will sort of say to you, like, be specific 993s, that you want a Varia RAM model, not a, a non-Varia RAM. So and that's the latter models, The later right? models are supposed okay. to be the better ones, yeah. And, you know, I think the same kind of goes for, you know, 996.1 versus 0.2 GT3, 997.1 yeah. versus 2 GT3s, okay. like okay. generally... Generally, I don't necessarily agree with Magnus Walker. Yeah, I guess they fix I up the, buy the first of a generation but. because they fix up the issues later on, right? They do actually fix the issues yeah. up. Well, they try to fix it's them if they can, apart from the IMS, yeah, yeah, which yeah. they couldn't really fix. <laughs> yep. They kind of sweep it under the rug. But the, like the GT3, like you bought the first generation 901.GT3 compared to the second one. Obviously, the second one's a lot better. Yeah. Um, um, okay, last question because we're running out of time. Last question is what is it? What is it? Um, Question: What, what the, Porsche should everyone experience at uh, least once? Uh, yeah. Whether it's borrow, borrow from a friend, drive a demo. What what's is your it? answer? My GD3 answer is: Well, this is a difficult one because I haven't experienced it, and I should experience it. So I'm not saying you yeah. should experience it because I have, and I say you should do it. I mean, from something yeah. I've experienced, I would say yes. 997 GT3 of any type. After driving yours yep. just that one time, I would say if you haven't. You know, that's because I've experienced it and I'd say you, you need to do that because it's completely different to the Carrera. Even though I've been saying base yes. Carrera is enough, it's completely different. And, yes. you know, I think the thing is, you, you know, you, uh, you know, maybe that's the thing. You know, you get a base Carrera or you get a GT3. You, you forget, a, and I'm sorry to everyone who has SS and GTSs. I'm not having a go, but I'm just saying there's such a big divide. There's such a big gap. It's a big difference in experience. So for me, driving a GT3, obviously you should experience yes. that. Cars I haven't yep. driven... It would have to be, for me, either the Carrera GT or the 918 Spider. I'd like to experience those because I think they're just, you know, especially the Carrera GT, actually. I think it'd be good to do back-to-back. Between those two. Back-to-back, you know what I mean? Because one's hybrid and one isn't. And it's like the progression, I guess, to the next, you know, the Spider and the the Carrera GT. Um, And remember, the Carrera GT was out of favor for a while. I remember even Jay Leno talking about this when he was doing that video on his which is a fantastic video if you haven't seen it i know we've mentioned it before that mm. you know the price just dumped on those they were 400 odd thousand they went down to 200 thousand us and now they're up to a million us people didn't want mm. them for a while can you imagine if you pick one up for 200 thousand us you know it's because of the gear because of the gears because people thought they're going to ruin the clutch every time they got into it because it had such a small kind of clutch and it was a little bit tricky to um get off the line kind of thing yeah just education though what's yours mate yeah two three because pretty much what you sort of said, um, because it's remarkably different from the other kind of models, even though it's sort of based on the same thing. And 
This, um, I'm assuming it applies to any generation from 996 all the way to 991 or 992. It's just, they're just different. Um, yep. And if you haven't, if you haven't, um, if you haven't ever driven one, then, and you love your kind of um, standard kind of models, go and try one just for fun. Even if it's just for fun. Like, I'm not sort of, I don't think it's for everyone. I can understand, um, you know, like when people sort of say that and when salespeople told my uncle, you know, oh, so this is not for you. I yeah. can kind of understand why it's not for everybody, but if you're just going to go and fall around and sort of go and experience something, go and try GT3. Yeah, even though it looks very similar and, you know, sometimes you look inside and it looks like, oh, this just looks like my Carrera, especially when it doesn't have the lightweight buckets. You know what I mean? It is completely mm-hmm. different. As soon as you start yeah. it, as soon as, even with, I know Steve's has got the numeric shifter and numeric cables and everything like that, but even in the standard format, yeah. I'm sure it's just, it's completely different. The whole feel of the car feels, it's it just is. different. It is different, yeah. Yeah, it different. and you, it's, it's what Porsche do so well. It's like... The surface looks similar, as you know, but it's under the surface, and it's that engineering that they excel in, and it really does. Um, it, you know, it's an amazing car. I have to get one. I think the perfect. On, I said to Tasha. I said to Tasha the other day, the perfect two car garage is a nine nine seven GT three or a nine nine two point one GT three and a nine twelve. Yes. Yeah. Is the silver one still for sale? Yeah, it's still for sale. The one in Australia. I wish someone would buy that. I, I don't know how much you would take. You think you'd take like two hundred and ten? Just. Just throw offer him, off, offer him two hundred and ten. It's like two forty. Yeah. It's been sitting there for ages. I must like want to offer him two hundred. I want to do what Ajmal does. Just offer low. Sorry, Ajmal. Yeah. Just go in low. And <laughs> no, no offense. Like, you don't have to sell it to me, but I'll give you two hundred for it. T- tell him who you are, um, and then he'll. Who just, am I? He, he, yeah, you're Michael Bath. Who am I? Michael Someone Bath. left a funny comment the other day. It made me laugh. Was it on YouTube? Or what was it? Someone left a funny thing. There's some funny comments at the moment. There's some really annoying ones too, but there were some really funny ones. Um, all right. right. That's it. This is the, um, what is this? This is uh, a How Was Christmas show, oh, I guess. How Was Christmas, Steve? Christmas was fantastic. That's what we should be saying. Fantastic. Poor humbug. What's happening New Year? Um, you're going to watch the fireworks in Sydney. No, Sydney's <laughs> shutting down, man. Sydney is shutting down. Like I don't know. The, um, this UK the variant. outbreaks are getting worse. Yeah, I noticed that. Um, I, th- I think they're knocking it back to five guests per household if you're going to go and do something. I don't know. I don't want to talk about COVID, but you want to hope this vaccine actually covers this new variant that keeps being thrown around. Keeps mutating. There's another yeah. one, isn't there? There's two UK versions. Well, once it starts being carried by animals and we catch it from animals, then we all have to be worried. Bloody hell. There's lots of stories out there, lots of people worried about a lot of things. I try not to read them. Tasha tells me about them, but I try not to read them. <laughs> anyway, um, I hope everyone had a great Christmas. Uh and New Year is... Uh, we're actually recording this, just so you know, because it's a very weird thing. This is actually going live on New Year's Day, this podcast. As you know, we record this on the Wednesday, two days before. So Patreon members actually get it one day early. So Patreon members will listen to this on Thursday, tomorrow. And everyone else will listen to it on Friday. So that's another reason why to um, join Porsche Good on Patreon, because you get to listen to it a day early, Steve. Mm-hmm. Happy New Year. <laughs> Happy New Year. <laughs> why are you not smiling? <laughs> <laughs> did that did that sound convincing? <laughs> are, are you having a party? It didn't are you having convincing. a party at your place? All no, the kids mate. coming over, be, all the cousins I'll, and I'll be I'll be asleep at nine o'clock. Really? I can't remember the last time I've actually seen the new year in. Like probably I was like eighteen or nineteen or something. I have to admit last year we did we did nothing as well again. 
and I got up oh. early New Year's Day, I think, and I, I went for a drive, actually. Went for a drive? Yeah, I went for yeah. a drive. Yeah, I did. Perfect time to I do it. I did, by myself. I went for a drive to Old Pack that morning. I remember it was early. Yeah, I woke up early. Perfect time to do it. Yeah, it was great. Fantastic. No one around. All right, mate. That's good. All right. Take I'll care. Have, have a good week. One. We'll talk again yes. in one week's time, as we do. Stay safe, mate. Yep. You too. All right. Thanks, everyone. That was Steve from Sydney. You know him already. I'm Michael. I'm in London. Going back to Bahrain soon, actually. Going back to Bahrain in a couple of weeks, I think. Steve? (laughs) (laughs) You're gone already. Steve's gone. (laughs) Steve's gone. He's gone. So he just leaves me. Just leaves me here. Yeah. Like I normally stop talking at this point in time. Isn't that what an outro is? All right, everyone. Uh, Thanks for listening to the Porsche Cook podcast. Uh, We'll talk again next week. Make sure you listen to Owner Stories with Todd, uh, Stone City Outlaw. It's a really good one. Check that one out. And we'll talk again soon. Thanks for listening. Bye for now.